You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Here's today's question. Hi, it's Dr. Easley. This is David from Palmetto, Florida. And I was listening to a back episode of Ask Dr. E. And I was listening to one of the questions in which um, you were talking about basically um, um, oppression and, um, you know, the, you know, I guess kind of the, you know, demonic or evil spirits and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit uh, seemingly to not allow that. And I was wondering if there was a differentiation between the uh, old covenant, so to speak, and the new covenant, because um, we, we seem to see evidence that the devil or Satan, Lucifer, was given permission with Job. And then um, once again, also with Peter, where it's like, hey, you know, he's asked to assist you like wheat, uh, but I've prayed for you is uh, kind of what Jesus had told Peter. And so I was wondering, like I said, is there that differentiation between the, the testaments or the covenants and the, I believe the phrase you stated was the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit? Uh, thanks again. Um, so enjoy listening to the podcast. And I've gleaned a lot of information from that. So thank you. Hey, thanks, David. Great question. And thanks for the feedback about the podcast. We love hearing how it's helping and ministering to folks. Uh, let's go back to Psalm 51 as a, as a backdrop and a beginning. The psalm, of course, is written after David's sin with Bathsheba, his murder of Uriah the Hittite, uh, the failed cover-up. And uh, this is a fascinating psalm, uh, not to digress too far, but essentially he's asking, um, or he's petitioning, I'd offer a sacrifice, but there, there's none I can give. The only thing that's due here is, is that I'm killed, uh, capital punishment, for what I've done. So that's the, the backdrop of the psalm. In verse 11 of Psalm 51, we read, Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Now, I don't want to get into isolated verse theology, but this is a trend that we see. Uh, Saul, of course, is harassed by an evil spirit from the Lord. Here, David fears the Holy Spirit being taken from him. So we talk about the permanent indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how a believer is, you know, once a man or woman comes to Christ, puts their trust in Christ and Christ alone, he or she is indwelt permanently by the Holy Spirit. Let me also read from Ephesians and where Paul writes in chapter 1, verse 13. And by the way, Ephesians 1 is such a great chapter for so many reasons. Folks that have questions about predestination and election, folks get really upset about, like, how do you believe in predestination and election? Well, just read Ephesians 1 a few times, and that'll it'll help you understand how the New Testament portrays this doctrine. But in chapter 1, verse 13, we read, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed don't miss this. You've heard the message. You've believed it. You've embraced it. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. That word sealed in the New Testament is a pledge. It's a fun Greek word. It's stragizo. It's the idea of a promise of the view of redemption. And then we find a similar phrase in chapter 4 of Ephesians verse 30. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so we could cobble together a number of New Testament passages, but we're learning by the New Testament, by Acts 2, the uh, fulfillment of the new covenant, the Holy Spirit 
permanently indwells the believer. Now, to your question about covenants, it's a great observation, Old and New Covenant. And I, I think, yes, that's, a way, that's certainly a way to look at it because the New Covenant in Jeremiah 31, 31 wasn't going to occur until a future time. So we know that Old Testament believers did not have that permanent indwelling. Now, back to your bigger question, uh, demonic oppression or possession. So I would say that we have to differentiate between those who were harassed, like Job, uh, versus those who were possessed. Let me read a couple of definitions. This one is from Charles Ryrie. A demon resides in a person. Exerting direct control and influence over that person will certainly be of derangement of mind and or body. Demon possession is to be distinguished from demon influence or demon activity in relation to a person. The work of the demon in the latter is from outside in demon possession from within. Good, good, good distinction. So a person who's internally harassed, possessed versus one who's harassed from the outside. He continues, by definition, a Christian cannot be demon possessed since he is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. It's good to know Dr. Ryrie holds my view. Yeah. 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 Even though it's with the Lord. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) However, a believer can be the target of demonic activity to such an extent that he may give the appearance of demon possession. So again, I don't want to get too quagmired on this, but I think it's a good reminder of harassment or oppression versus possession. And without debate, you're correct. In Job, God allows uh, Job to be harassed by Satan and even ups the ante when Satan comes back to him and says, you know, you can harass him, but you can't take his life. You can't touch him or kill him, in other words. And then by the New Testament, we have a number of illustrations where people are harassed. The garrison demoniac is clearly demon-possessed. And when uh, Christ exercises the demons and sends them into the, the, the herds of the pigs, and then he's, the man's clothed in his right mind. So, yes, to answer your question, I think you can look at it from a covenant, uh, old covenant, new covenant lens. The new covenant promised the filling of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling of the Spirit of God. That, again, is one of the ways the apostles were authenticated in Acts chapter 2 and following, is they were indwelt by the Spirit of God. They possessed powers that they did not have otherwise apart from God's Spirit, and that authenticated their message, that authenticated them as men who'd been with Christ. And so we fast forward to the New Testament and have them casting out evil spirits, and then also dealing with people that are demon-harassed. And again, just to circle back to the Ephesians 1.13 and 4.30 verses, that sealing, uh, you think of a scroll, a Roman scroll that was sealed. Uh, maybe you've seen uh, some of the romantic uh, movies where a person uh, uses wax on a, on a scroll or a letter and they have a ring, a signet ring, and they seal it with their signature. The idea was that was not to be broken until it got to the proper recipient. That's a good illustration. So we're sealed with the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption. So his indwelling in your life and mine, anyone who trusts Christ, that permanent indwelling seals us to redemption. And, of course, he is at work in our lives in the the process of sanctifying us. But that differentiates the permanent indwelling versus the temporary indwelling of the Old Testament believer. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694, or you can email us at 
question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain, and you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.